Hey, 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 welcome! You are three episodes in now to Pop Culture Petri Dish with myself, Abe Epperson, who is a baby. And uh, joining me, as always, is Christian, uh, who knows more about science than I do. So say hello. Hello, I am a slightly older baby. Uh, if Abe is a true baby, then I guess I'm a toddler. Yeah, so we're uh, we're just two babies going to be talking at you for the next half hour. This is where we talk about science fiction and where it meets reality and how they inform each other and what philosophical and cool questions might come up uh, from reading them or experiencing them, whatever. But today, we're calling this episode, Where Is Everybody, I think? Yeah. Yeah, where we're talking about aliens. Yes, extraterrestrial life. And what's the deal with it? You know, <laughs> like, where are they at? Where are they? Because we're here and we're waiting. Yep. So uh, give us the intros. Walk us through some stuff. All right. So this entire subject can kind of be summed up um, with something called the Fermi Paradox. Basically... Uh, Abe has a story about Enrico Fermi that he's going to share, but uh, the story, this specific one goes that uh, Enrico Fermi was a scientist working on the nuclear program. And one day over lunch, uh, they had been talking about the massive size of the universe and the potential for life. And he said, if the odds are so in favor of extraterrestrial life, then where is everybody? And that, tiny little question encompasses a bunch of different ideas and here they are there are billions of stars in the galaxy that are similar to our sun many of those stars are billions of years older than the solar system with the high probability that some of these stars have earth-like planets and if the earth is kind of typical and then some may have developed intelligent life some of these civilizations could also have developed interstellar travel and even at the slow pace that we are able to travel the galaxy, you could cover the entire galaxy in a matter of a couple thousand years. So if that is the case and the numbers are so in favor of it, where is everybody? Yeah. Where are all the aliens? And so the paradox, the Fermi paradox is that it's a matter of scale. It's a matter yeah. of there's so much of it. And if we believe that we are not irregular in the universe, right. that means that there should be a lot of us. So the paradox is if there's a lot of us, and by us I mean aliens or intelligent life, yeah, uh, they're not here. So what's going on with that whole deal? Yeah. And so either they're there and they just don't give a fuck about us <laughs> and there's other reasons why they don't care, or... Uh, we are irregular in that yeah. we happen to be on the earth at the right time and the Goldilocks kind of situation, not just in terms of light and heat, but also in terms of like tectonic plates and, yep. you know, like just atmosphere and the collection of, you know, the, the solution that makes life. Uh, and then I guess there's the, the third answer, which could be that, uh, yeah, intelligent life exists all the time, but they're never given enough time to develop interstellar mm -hmm. travel. 
So those are the kind of three situations. Is there a fourth or, I mean, there's, you know, <laughs> we suck and everyone hates us. We're alone. Yeah. Or they just have no reason to talk to us. Those are like the three scenarios, right? Right. That make up that Fermi yeah. paradox possibilities. Right. right. We don't, we don't suck that much, but we don't have enough time yeah, to develop but they'd be the technology. Like, they just like look through their, you know, space telescope and are like, look at those pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah i think the third is to me the most plausible because i think life wants to extend its tendrils and find other life i mean who what do i know i'm no alien but like i feel that anyone any species that's spacefaring has a kind of wonder about the universe granted there's many other reasons that they could just exist in space or whatever but that to me is like if there's anything like us out there uh, it would probably want to be like, Hey, what's this? Yeah. Uh, now it's possible that they've been around long enough that they're like, ah, we don't want to know any of that. And, yeah. uh, that's the things with, uh, like alien brains. It's like, like, uh, like we were mentioning like speaker for the dead. And, uh, we, we talked about ants and yeah. how like ants are very, they can do very complex things, even though they're automatons and don't right. really have brains. Uh, they are capable of some of the most beautiful, uh, complex kind of actions in nature yeah. that we are also granted ants. We have no reason to talk to ants. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it would be awesome because they would be like, must save the queen. No, uh, it would, but like ants don't create VR games. So it's not exactly like we're talking the same language. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I, I just think it's an interesting notion that, uh, like the idea that aliens are just like they see us and they know we're there and they're just like either eh or they're like yeah yeah we get we get what you're all about yeah. uh, don't need to talk to you yeah no the subject of ants is interesting too and it hits on a note of humans tend to think of things in terms that are human terms and so because in our world ants outnumber us and bacteria outnumbers ants so mm. our world is less a human world and more a bacterial world than anything else that's yeah i love that about douglas adams is uh when uh i forget the name of the character but most f plays him in yeah. uh in the movie oh yeah uh and he's, he he introduces himself to cars because he <laughs> thought that they were the species that like ran the earth right <laughs> uh which i just think is funny it's just like so, perfectly surrealist and the way that an alien would think right yeah. yeah so our idea of what life is going to be like on other planets is essentially it's so influenced by the, our way of thinking by yeah. our path our pathology because we've always looked up at the sky and wondered how we could get there but that's not how most life is on earth most animals don't care about going into the sky for any particular reason yeah that's uh it reminds me of a richard Feynman quote uh which i'll paraphrase because i haven't memorized it i'm not a fucking i'm not a i'm not smart uh (laughs) but he has something to say is like his dad was talking to him about how you gotta like perceive everything like an alien ask these questions like so an alien might arrive at earth and be like ants are the the highest form of intelligence or bacteria is the highest form not because they don't know what intelligence is. It's just they make up the most biomass. Right. But they, he he always is like, isn't it weird the reality of like what the earth is? Like 
an alien might arrive and be like, why do you, half of you uh, at a given time just like lie down and like stop? <laughs> you know, like what the fuck is up with right. that? And it's just like, yeah, that's true. Maybe an alien species may not have sleep. Right. Uh, I mean, sharks only sleep like for like tw- 15 to 20 minutes and then they're off to the races again being a shark. <laughs> um, but we have chosen that it's like, yes. And this is not even true if you go pre-industrial revolution era, but like we decide that like nine hours, we just stop. Yeah. We just start snoring, snoozing. A third of our lives. Snoozing our way <laughs> yeah. through life. And uh, that is totally a human conception. Yeah. And it's the way that our culture influences the way that we understand science is something that we don't talk about enough mm-hmm. because the lens that we view scientific concepts through is always going to be colored by how we act in the world with the things that we do. Whereas we're not the only things on the earth. So why do we think that aliens are going to look like us? Why do we think that they're going to be bipedal things with large eyes, a big head relative to the size of their body? Mm -hmm. The most successful form of life that we know about in the universe right now is bacteria. It's it's bacteria and single-celled organisms because they can survive anywhere. We suck at surviving at the depths of the ocean or in space. We can't do that. We do need to adapt a bunch of stuff to make us able to survive that. But bacteria doesn't need to do that. Single-celled organisms don't yeah, need to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, have you seen the, uh, the Navy videotapes on the ufos that got released a few weeks ago oh i haven't seen them where yet. that like it's just like clear it's like a it's essentially a jet flying and there's just it's trying to chase this ufo that is just like just dumbfounding the entire existence of physics right it just stops and then just like shoots up into the air like a million miles per hour and it's just like uh, Swam and I were talking about it the other day. And we're like, you know what? I think that there's like a – I was reading about how uh, uh, like everything about us, like the fact that we're getting taller, the fact that like all of our like physical characteristics are slightly changing over, over time, either between natural selection or just nurture – um, we're slowly turning, our eyes are getting bigger. Right. We're slowly turning into the grays. Yeah. Uh, which is the alien that is yes. like, you know, well-documented through X-Files or, you know, like yeah. alien autopsy or whatever. Uh, so he was arguing that the grays are not like aliens. Yeah. They're actually time travelers and they're us in a very, very distant future. Mm-hmm. Just kind of checking in and seeing what's going on and maybe, you know, like, uh, averting a Holocaust here or there, but they can't do too much because right. if they do, you step out an ant and, you know, next thing you know, like dinosaurs are in control. Uh, <laughs> so they're not at all aliens, but rather just, you know, observers from the future. Yeah. Grays are really interesting um, because this is, and this uh, Maggie talked about this in a video before. Uh, basically the reason some people think that we see gray aliens or that we all have this kind of uh, memory communal memory together is that when we're babies, we notice things like eyes more than anything else. And just as adults, as humans, we notice eyes, but when we're babies, that is one of the distinguishing features that we emphasize more than anything else in our memory. And so 
what gray aliens actually are is our communal memory of being small and like laying in a crib and looking up and seeing something where you see some really big eyes and then you notice kind of the shape of the head and that's all you really remember about it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of fits in with the abduction theory and stuff like that. You heard it here first. Babies see anime characters. Uh, and that's a fact. And Christian is the one who said it. Uh, no, no, that's actually a very valid point. Because as we know, our memory is not immutable. It's right. something that can be altered very yeah. easily. It's very malleable. And uh, yeah, it changes with the whim of our recollection of it. And also when it's being formed, it's just random. Yep. You know, God, we are so dumb. <laughs> I remember because uh, I, I have sleep apnea uh, and I remember when I didn't know I had it for a very long time. So I had very vivid, horrifying dreams. Yeah. And it took me until I was about because you, you when you're a child, you know, your mom comes in and tucks you in or whatever. And then you don't see another human. Right. Uh, until morning. But I, w- I think we're at spring training in Arizona watching some baseball, mm-hmm. and I was like 13 or 12, and um, it was one of the most terrifying things. I like very visceral for me. Yeah, is my brothers got up earlier than I did, and they went to brunch, uh, just because it was like an embassy suites or something. So they yeah. had like a timed brunch where it wasn't continental breakfast. Right. And I just hadn't woken up, so they just left me. And when they came back in, I remember seeing, like, two goblins who were, like, climbing on the ceiling. Yeah. And they, like, approached me and, like, shook me and were, like, going to bite my neck. Yeah. And they were just, like, and I finally woke up because they woke me up because they were, like, they did an impression of me and they were, like, dude, you were like fucking crazy. And I was like, what just happened? Cause I just, yeah. you woke me up from a terrible nightmare. Right. And they were like, well, the sounds that you were making while you were sleeping, while we were approaching, uh, in a matter of 10 seconds, we're like, huh, 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 huh. I was like, you were terrified. <laughs> oh, and I was like, Oh my God, I was terrified. <laughs> and it was just because like my eyes were slightly open. Right. And, uh, I had been witnessing my two brothers, but my brain had been filling in the details that mm-hmm. you should fear them, whatever yeah. they are, they're goblins. <laughs> and, uh, I do not wish that upon anyone. It's a terrible, terrible thing. So I can totally see how people would like, totally concoct this fiction of abduction Mm -hmm. uh just by like witnessing their husband coming home you know late at night after drinking or something right uh like it totally could be that kind of shared fiction that we all have just as an artifact of our brains suck sometimes yeah sometimes when we're in that middle stage between sleep and being awake there's we're very susceptible to weird things yeah and it's just like uh that that could be the shared narrative of what they are or time travelers. <laughs> it could be, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I'm going to go back, double back a little bit to um, talk about this thing called the great filter um, comes with a thing called Hansen's list. And basically the idea is that one of the steps to get in to getting to colonization is really, really hard. Uh, and the list goes that we have to have the right star system, including organics and potentially habitable planets. Reproductive molecules like RNA, simple prokaryotic life, and then which eventually goes to complex single-celled life, 
sexual reproduction, which gives us even more diversity, uh, multicellular life, which then leads to tool using animals with big brains, which basically takes us to where we are now, where we can kind of explore our local area. Um, and we're just on the cusp of getting to the final step, which means that there's going to be an explosion of colonization and interstellar travel. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's kind of where we are. Um, and we know from experimentation and stuff like that, that not all of these steps are impossible because in like the sixties, they did this experiment called the life in a bottle experiment where they would take raw inert material, stick it into a pressurized bottle and subject it to heat and um, electricity. And they would get basically the essential building blocks for life out of it. Well, of the seven, I know which one isn't the hardest to overcome. Well, which one's that? The bone in one. <laughs> we got that one down pat, my friend. We're, yes. I'm not Very... saying like I'm good at it. I'm just <laughs> I, like, we're not good at it necessarily. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who are fantastic lovers. Uh, I'm not one of them. I'm just, I, I can do that. <laughs> we can do it to completion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> buy a guy a drink first <laughs> but yeah the so in mitosis we didn't actually split off and become two single cells we remained as two cells but that's actually really beneficial because it means we can eat other smaller things it means we can absorb and consume their matter and so that's another thing that we don't know how hard is that to achieve we have no idea because we weren't here to be able to actually do the science when it was happening but I mean, there's, and of course, like I said, there's the steps of us becoming animals with big brains. Most animals don't have big brains. Yeah. Like the vast majority don't. <laughs> yeah. It took Homo erectus or Homo neanderthal to like get upright before our brains could really go to the races in terms of their development. <clears throat> yeah. So it, like there had to be an evolutionary like side, not sidestep because all evolutionary, like evolutionary design is random to right. some extent. And it's just only expressed by the amount of success that you have mm -hmm. living and reproducing. Right. But, uh, there had to be something like that. Like in order for our eyes to design, like be able to see the color green versus red versus blue, uh, we were like, yeah, well, like the reason that green, we don't look green is probably because, you know, like a, a bunch of things. But one of them might be that uh, when we look into the forest and we see a bunch of green, we're like, we need to be like very hazardous about <laughs> like snakes and shit. So like people who were, which makes me think about things like colorblindness yeah. and stuff like that. Like that may just be after the fact, something that was expressed later, mm. but also it's like, well, in order to, for us to get here or to have the skin tones that we have to have the, you know, millions of colors that we can see that had to come from somewhere. And that essentially came from our evolutionary standard. Yeah. Uh, our evolutionary standard, basically our eyes come from the fact that we're primates. Yeah. Uh, primates because of the fact that they live in trees and so therefore their food source that they prioritize is fruit and so our ability to see the amount of colors that we can see which is pretty unique among the animal kingdom 
uh, comes from the fact that as apes, we needed to be able to spot different colored fruits and know which ones were going to kill us and which ones were ripe and which ones were actually going to be good for us. Um, and so that's where something like our color vision comes in. So it's we have a very specific way that we evolved because we had very specific circumstances that were in East Africa at this particular time. It's why we have eyes that can spot color differences really well because we need to be able to see what fruit is ripe and what's going to be poisonous. We have collarbones because we developed the ability to swing from branches rather than running on top of them, which made us better at, um, it made our movement better. And then we eventually developed upright walking because that means that we can move from place to place on the ground while we're carrying a child or something like that and still doing something with the other arm. And of course, after that, we, so we basically, now we have locking knees because we need to walk and our knees being able to lock means that we have a lower energy expenditure. So the idea that we would see an alien that looks or is almost exactly like us is ridiculous. It's bananas because, um, yeah, bananas, monkeys, <laughs> got it. I, I've been listening. I've been listening <laughs> because, uh, they would have had to evolve under almost the exact same circumstances as us. And so like when we see people on Star Trek, that it's just an alien to them as somebody with pointy ears or has a bunch of stuff glued to their forehead. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. If you think about the fact that we're basically us and some other apes are the only thing on this planet that really looks like us. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean just the uh, evolutionary attunement and how you see and like your worldview yeah. as a species uh, brings up a lot of, uh, so we, I, we were talking before uh, and I mentioned flippingly earlier uh, my, probably my favorite science fiction book is speaker for the dead. Yeah. Uh, and it brings, and f people who haven't read it, stop this podcast, read those 300 pages, <laughs> come back. No, it's cause I'm going to spoil it like a motherfucker. I'm sorry. Just skip ahead a few minutes, I guess. Uh, but it's, it's about that. It's about how we, we perceive things in our own kind of evolutionary vacuum. Yeah. And, the idea of someone else having a different like outlook on like death or something mm -hmm. like that is like so foreign to us that we can't even conceive of it. Right. And it's like, how do we rectify that? So if we were confronted with a species that is like, Oh no, I thought that when I, I, I thought I was helping you by murdering you because when I die, right. I, I'm going to become a tree and yeah. that's the best part of life, buddy. And so <laughs> it's like a great, you know, respect that I'm giving you. Right. No, we're going to perceive that as like, these monkeys are trying to kill us. <laughs> but that's the thing about dealing with aliens and kind of like that movie that came out a year or two ago, Arrival. Arrival, yeah. Yeah, we have to kind of rethink the, the basis of language, the basis of thinking, really, in order to kind of communicate with any type of being that maybe they don't have reproduction maybe they're right. clones you know maybe they're anything uh but that is still true and if we want to coexist or not murder each other yeah. and become trees uh <laughs> we kind of have to do that right yeah it's that's what i'm worried about is that voyager thing that sagan sent out that is like here's a picture of us and some of us have dicks and some of us have vaginas <laughs> And uh, here's some blues. And like, just, I imagine that like my favorite, 
idea is like kind of like that that bottle that message in a bottle that you throw in the ocean yeah you know as soon as it arrives to some alien he's just what the fuck is this <laughs> what is that what is that i'm listening to blues like I, I don't know but i'm sad yeah it's we we have such a specific concept of what intelligent life is that it's going to be really hard for us to find any other intelligent life if it's not exactly like us. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to be like almost it's assured that we're going to be like until we advance, we're going to be like violently opposed right. to whatever that difference is. Yeah, because for all we know, there's we're a carbon based life form. There could be silicon based life forms. There could be a life form that's just a bunch of gases that are loosely tied together by a nervous system that communicates right. through flashes of light. We don't have any idea what aliens are going to use for communication. We still can't get over the idea that like you may have a different imaginary person who you pray to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I do. And that means you must die. Yeah. So what happens when we have like a glee glop that like arrives and it's just like, I'm an alien and I believe in money and only shiny things. Give me your money. And it's just like, they they happen to be capitalist aliens. I don't know. Like that, that could be a thing. <laughs> I like that the glee glops are capitalist. Yeah. Yeah. They absolutely would. And it's just such a weird configuration of like, like it's so abnormal to me when you like try to give it scope that we decided or we're evolutionarily attuned, yeah. however we want to describe it, the concoction of things that designed us, uh, whether you believe in a, you know, like a God figure or you just believe that we're just a bunch of random atoms running into each other, whatever yeah. you may believe. It is true that at some point in our evolution, uh, or at some point in our development, we decided that gold is shiny <laughs> and good and worth a lot of money, even though that is a completely synthetic realization right. that we, we just adorned gold with power. Yep. And then we then realizing, oh, shit, there's only like three Olympic sized swimming pools worth of gold on the world. <laughs> Uh, so not everyone can have gold and right. like as tender. So let's, uh, uh, you know what we do have a shit ton of though in America is cotton. Uh, <laughs> so we will uh, literally take all the cotton and turn it into these little things that we write on that say like, I owe you 10 gold. Yeah. <laughs> and then we now give that the authority of currency. Yeah. Uh, so it's once again this this, uh, this transmutation of synthetic value. Yeah, but cotton's not as shiny and heavy it's as not, gold. But, I mean, yeah, but you can't. <laughs> we're not glee blobs, man. We can't just <laughs> get gold out of nowhere. <laughs> Let me tell you that other uh, Richard Feynman thing, yes. which is because at the top uh, we were discussing right before we turned on the recorder. Uh, my only experience, because I haven't studied uh, Fermi at all, but I believe it was Fermi who was that Los Alamos when they were doing the Manhattan Project. Yes. Uh, in Richard Feynman's book, which I encourage everyone to read, which is just like a, a collection of his talks and things that he wrote. And he talks a lot about co computation, but he also talks about like the nuclear project. And he also talks about just waxing poetic about beautiful things like physics, like, you know, Sagan was really good at. And one of the stories that he has, which he never understood about Fermi is that Fermi was his like direct, like head, like he was his boss okay. at the Los Alamos project. And, um, uh, Feynman brought up, he was like, you know, man, like you realize that like, <laughs> 
everything that we do is like really, really like secretive and needs to be like reined in. Like no one can find out about this. If there's a spy on this base, like we're fucked. Right. And, <laughs> and like Fermi's like, okay, okay. And he's just like, you're not taking this seriously. So what he did is that he almost went to jail, but they didn't take him to jail or like they reprimanded him, but they were like, you're not going to go to spy prison. Uh, <laughs> but what he did is he broke into Fermi's office and every day that they like wrote down equations and wrote down papers, Fermi would take them and then put them in a safe so that no one could get access to them because no one could like patent right. work that was being done there because that's how spies happen. Yeah. Um, so all of the papers of all of the, like Manhattan project were in the safe and he just cracked the safe just <laughs> and his point wasn't to like get the information or like the delicious patents right. and papers that were in there. He was just doing it to prove a point to Fermi that he was like, you don't, you clearly don't care about this shit. Like what the fuck is going on? And it's my favorite like chaotic story. Oh, and it's just that he was just like, everyone's smart here, but like, don't you realize that like the, the scribbles that I write down on this page could like start a war <laughs> and you need to care about that shit, dude. Yeah. Come and, on, man. Give and, a shit. <laughs> and that's how Feynman decided that that should be handled. It's just, oh, that's fantastic. Fucking break into a safe. <laughs> that has no that's relevance so to where is everybody or the Fermi paradox, but I just thought it's a enjoyable story. <laughs> I mean, the answer could have been in those papers. Yeah, <laughs> could have been stolen and lost. Yeah, that, and that's why we like shiny things. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I think that's a good uh, sum up for that because I can cut that out if I want to. But yeah. um, is there anything else you want to talk about aliens? Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of things. I'm that sure I want we'll to talk have another aliens. podcast where we talk about a different aspect of, of, but like the Fermi paradox or why we haven't encountered. Right. Them. No, I I think that's that's pretty good. But and I and I hope that that's a good entry point to talking more about aliens because I I love talking about aliens and extraterrestrial yeah, aliens. everything. It's just it's like really light great. up a joint and talk about aliens, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have been completely sober this entire time regardless of what we were talking about i have also been but not after i cut <laughs> uh but yeah man thank you for thank you so much for uh, coming here and talking to all of us about all this cool stuff that you know um uh again ben abe and i'm just a baby uh christian where can we find you on the internet uh, this is Christian the Toddler, and I will hopefully be coming back to do more of these. And you can find me on Twitter at FanboyChristian. That's Christian with no H. Uh, this has been Pop Culture Petri Dish, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right, have a good one. This has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!